Hey there. It has been a heck of a year. It's time to celebrate, or at least, you know, remember. I got together with members of the Arm and a Leg editorial team recently to look back on the stories that left their mark on us. I mean, we got together virtually. Okay. Dan, are you recording on Zoom? I'm recording from Zoom. Bab. This is an Arm and a Leg, a show about why healthcare costs so freaking much and what we can maybe do about it. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm Marianne Wang. I edit the Arm and a Leg podcast. I'm Emily Pizzacreta. I'm a producer and reporter for An Arm and a Leg. And I'm Gabrielle Healy. I at First Aid Kit, our newsletter. We're journalists, and we like a challenge. So our job here is to take one of the most raging, terrifying, depressing parts of American life and bring you something entertaining, empowering, and useful. And welcome to our debrief. I'm super happy to have you all here. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we've done and covered and seen this year that have left the biggest impressions on us. And Emily, I think you volunteered to go first. Yeah, Emily, go first. Okay. It was really exciting this year to be able to do a story about insulin, which I have focused on for a long time in my research and my writing. And that also is the medicine that I have to take every day to stay alive. We looked at California's initiative to make its own insulin. And I'm sort of reminded of, you know, one of the sort of behind the scenes moments that I'm not even sure if I told you guys about this. I was talking to one of my sources, Chris Noble, who works for an organization called Health Access California. And all of a sudden I heard my phone beeping like it's crazy alarm just honking at me, telling me my blood sugar is low. And I had to say, hey, um, this is really weird. I can't believe I'm interviewing another diabetic and telling him that I have to pause because my blood sugar is low. And I'm pretty sure, you know, the alarm from my Dexcom continuous glucose monitors like on the recording somewhere. But I learned so much, too. You know, just looking at the budget for this program, that was like one of the big questions we had was, is this money that California is setting aside like reasonable or is this an Another like empty promise from a bunch of politicians about insulin. And so it was cool to sort of stress test it and look at other kinds of obstacles that the program could be facing, you know, really because diabetics are tired of being used as a political talking point. So I was really grateful that we got to dig into those details. Well, Emily, I feel like we were just so lucky to have you. I can't imagine anybody being more determined to get to the bottom of it and anybody more determined to make sure that we we're not giving anybody too much credit for solving something that is still not solved. For sure. Yeah, Emily, your story was so fun to work together on just because I could tell how much it meant to you. And I had a sort of similar experience when in July we were editing the Natera story. Natera is a company that specializes in non-invasive prenatal testing, screening for serious genetic disorders. We'd heard from a listener about their pretty awful-sounding billing practices. And while we were working on the story, they took a big hit when a Wall Street investment company alleged that messed-up billing, jerking around both patients and insurers, amounted to Natera's business model. When a New York Times story raised questions about the accuracy of non-invasive prenatal tests, that hurt Natera too. And while we were looking at all of that, it was hitting Marion in kind of a personal way, although our team didn't know it at the time. I hadn't told anyone that I was pregnant. It was just, you know, it was too early, but it was just funny to like be editing with you and then two days later go to my doctor's office and she's like, okay, well, we're going to run these prenatal tests now. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. what company are we using? <laughs> and she said, Natera. And I said, that's so funny. I was just editing a story about them. And I told her about it. 
I asked if she had read the New York Times story about prenatal testing, and she had. And so she actually told me, you know, if I encountered any funny business with the billing, that I should go to her. And she said, she knows Natera rep, and I quote, we send them way too much business for them to be doing that. So I will get the rep to fix it if you have any issues. Wow. Yeah. So it was very helpful both to like talk through some of the science and some of my concerns on the efficacy of the tests, but also when are your providers ever connected to your billing issues at all? You know, but because we had been editing that story and it was on my brain, we had a very upfront conversation about it. And Marion, I was trying to remember as we got ready for this conversation, I was like, did I find out that you were pregnant like in our last edit for that story? Like Emily and I were on Zoom. and, and I already kind of... knew. She already told me. <laughs> it actually <laughs> slipped out when Emily and I were talking <laughs> in one earlier edit because I was like, oh yeah, I'm kind of going through this. And then I was like, wait, that just gives it away. <laughs> that was the most exciting edit ever. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Gabby's got a story that reminds her of the reporting we did for the first aid kit newsletter she edits, a story about the No Surprises Act, which outlawed surprise bills, but only under a pretty specific definition, which is where you go someplace like a hospital that's in your insurance network, you get seen by a doctor who isn't in your insurance network. So before the law, surprise, that doctor could charge you anything and you'd be on the hook without necessarily getting much help from your insurance. That was a widespread, terrible problem, and it's now supposed to be over. But the medical billing world can contain all kinds of unpleasant and unfair surprises, like the one Gabby describes here. So I was sitting at my kitchen table. I was living in New Hampshire at the time. And when you're a journalist, you know, if a random number calls you, you pick up, right? Could be a source, could be somebody, you know what I mean, you gotta pick up. <laughs> so I get a number from a 212 number, and I'm like, well, like, could be something. And so I pick up, and it's somebody calling me. It's a debt collector calling me for therapy bills that I had already paid to the therapist that I was seeing back when I lived in D.C. And they were like, you know, you owe, you know, however much it was. It was, you know, not a payment that I was prepared to make at the time. <laughs> and I said, look, hey, like, I've already paid this for real. And they were like, well, we need to see the proof. And, you know, when you're moving, like, you can lose stuff. You can, like, find stuff. You know, it's, it's just really hard to stay organized. And I was like, this is, I don't need these receipts because I've already paid, like, da 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 keep everything. That's a big message. That's a big thing that we should be telling everyone all the time. But I was like, okay. So I dug through all my stuff and finally found the receipts that I had gotten, you know, for paying for these therapy bills. You know, it was just surprising and shocking and really like kind of took a lot of time. You know, I was afraid. I was like, I know how it can affect our credit. That experience was something that really stuck with me and, and keep track of your mail and make sure that you keep everything, especially when you're moving. You think you want to throw that old receipt out? Just, just keep it just in case. <laughs> Were these paper receipts that you'd hung on to? Because respect. For real. For real. I, I want to tell you this. I'm not, I would not describe myself as a super organized person out, outside of work. <laughs> but no, I had, I had the paper receipt that time. But it was scary. And, you know, it's familiar to many of us. So I was, yeah, that's my story. I mean, it's just a reminder of what an unfair burden it is on us to like keep incredible records of everything and be able to display them at a moment's notice and to have essentially the burden of proof on us about whether we owe something or not is a lot. And to know our rights, right? Because nobody's nobody's telling us that necessarily. Mm -hmm. So yeah, good on you. So I can't really pick a story that we did because I was looking at the stories, but I was like, I'm super proud that we did all of these and feel really good about them. But I have updates on a couple of stories that we covered this year. And they both involve court cases that have progressed since we covered them. So in March, 
we looked at a nonprofit called Upsolve, and they were suing the New York State Attorney General's office for the right to help people who were being sued over debts, including and maybe especially medical debts. And they wanted to train people like pastors and social workers to give basic legal advice. Like there's a form you're supposed to fill out if you're being sued in New York and it asks you certain questions that some of them are kind of clear. But if you're a non-lawyer, some of them are not so clear how you might want to respond. But even just advising people how to fill out that form would, in their analysis, amount to practicing law without a license, which is illegal. So they were asking the court to tell the state attorney general not to prosecute them because they said giving people this kind of advice should be considered protected by the First Amendment. And so that was in March. And the update is the court agreed. In May, Upsolve got a preliminary injunction banning the state from prosecuting people they train. They even held a training. And then uh, the New York Attorney General's office appealed, which Upsolve says they expected. And these things do not move with lightning speed. So that was in June. The appeal was filed. The state filed a brief in October. And Upsolve is scheduled to file a response in early January. So we'll be watching. That's what we know. And then in June, we covered a group of emergency room doctors who are basically suing to get private equity investors and managers kicked out of their ERs. So in lots of emergency rooms, the doctors are employed by management companies owned by big investment firms that want to juice profits. And the American Academy of Emergency Medicine is arguing this lawsuit they filed that doctors at at least one emergency room where they have a relationship are being told how to treat patients by the private equity owners who now employ those doctors. And that this arrangement violates a state law against the corporate practice of medicine. And the private equity firm put forth a bunch of arguments telling the court the case should be dismissed without a trial. And just before our episode, the judge said, nope, disagree. The case can go forward. And that was where things stood in June. And since then, it's been mostly procedural stuff. Like I mentioned, these cases don't move quickly, right? <laughs> so in late October, the court set a date for a trial to start January 12th, 2024. Wow. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll be waiting for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's something to look forward to. And that was our year-end story meeting. We did talk for a minute about what else we'll be looking forward to in the coming year. Marion had a response worth sharing. Well, I am going to be out of commission for a little while. Um, <laughs> so I guess in 2023, most immediately, I'm looking forward to meeting my firstborn. Um, <laughs> in January or February, if she decides to take that long. Um, and I will be following with excitement the work that you guys do from a distance um, and probably dealing with my own set of medical bills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so no. I will have in touch with many reasons that. to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to a lot this year, though a new addition to my family isn't one of them. We have some pretty exciting stories coming up. There's some real fighting and some real fun ahead. And of course, I can't go without saying... Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting our work with your dollars. As we release this, there's still a couple days left in 2022. It is still absolutely a great time to donate. Thanks to extra matching dollars from some super supporters, your donations can still be matched. And I'd love it if you help us take advantage. We've got a lot of work to do in 2023. Going to do you proud. The place to go is armandalegshow.com slash support. That's armandalegshow.com slash support. Thank you so much. I'm wishing you the happiest, healthiest 2023 we can imagine ourselves getting. We all deserve it. I'll catch you soon. Till then, take care of yourself. 
This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by me, Dan Weissman, with help from Emily Pizzacreta and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Gabriel Healy is our managing editor for audience. She edits the First Aid Kit newsletter. B. Bosco is our consulting director of operations. Sarah Balama is our operations manager. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. It's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. KHN is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor, the 20th century industrialist Henry J. Kaiser. When he died, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Zach Dyer is senior audio producer and Tarina Lofton is audience engagement producer at KHN. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Thanks to Public Narrative. That's a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. And thanks to everybody who supports this show financially. In fact, it's time to shout out to people who have made new donations or increased their gift in the last few weeks. I'm recording this pretty far ahead of time, so if your name's not here, we will get you next time. Thanks this time to... Scott Gurian, Brandon Winklejohn, Adam Schwartz, Cindy Peterson, Barbara Stamen Wolf, Lori Birch, Orly Ancanina, Nani Didi Levine, Lester Robancho, Christopher Garnett, Michael Johnson, Dan Wise, S.J. Russell, and Meredith Kalman. Thank you.